This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Eventide Investments. They believe that investing is more than just returns. It's an opportunity to partner with companies that align with your values and are making a positive difference in the world. Learn more at eventideinvestments.com. The problem with most retirement plans is that eventually you have to pay taxes on your distributions. Or do you? Hi, I'm Rob West. Would you believe there's a way you can avoid paying those taxes and greatly increase your giving to God's kingdom at the same time? It's easy to do, and I'll tell you all about it today. And then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, the Bible is clear that Christians should pay their taxes. Romans 13, 1 and 2 reads, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. At the same time, we don't want to pay more in taxes than we have to, because that wouldn't be good stewardship. Fortunately, there's a way you can legally, at least for now, avoid paying some taxes and practice amazing stewardship at the same time. Of course, I'm talking about the Qualified Charitable Distribution in the U.S. Tax Code. I've mentioned it several times before, but today I want to really dive into what it is and how it works. So first, the definition. A Qualified Charitable distribution, or QCD, is a withdrawal of funds from your traditional IRA that goes directly to a qualified charity, such as your church or a ministry you'd like to support. To make a QCD, you have to be at least age 70 and a half. This money is not subject to taxes and won't be counted as taxable income. And here's a really great provision with the QCD. If you meet all the requirements, it will count as your required minimum distribution, or RMD. That's important because now, beginning at age 73, you must take RMDs on most qualified retirement plans, including a traditional IRA. But you can get around that rule by making a qualified charitable distribution instead. I mentioned that you can make a QCD from your traditional IRA, but what about other retirement plans? Well, you can also make a QCD from your SEP IRA if you have one, or a so-called simple IRA. You can even do it from a Roth, but because no taxes are due on Roth distributions, uh, there's really no advantage to it. You cannot, however, make a QCD from a 401k or 403b retirement account. You would first have to roll the funds over to an IRA and make the QCD from there. Also, not every charity is eligible for a qualified charitable distribution. It must be a 501c3 organization, and private foundations are ineligible for QCDs. It's a good idea to check with a tax professional to make sure your favorite charity can receive the gift. Now, here's how a QCD can reduce your federal taxes. First, 
Even though it's a withdrawal from your IRA, it won't be counted as taxable income as it would if you simply withdrew those funds from your account. Second, you don't have to itemize the deductions on your return to make a QCD. That means if the standard deduction of 13850 for a single filer or 27700 for married joint filers is higher, you can still take it, further reducing your federal taxes. And third, because a qualified charitable distribution can be made instead of a required minimum distribution, it won't increase your federal taxable income. That's potentially huge because often an RMD will push some of your income into a higher tax bracket. You won't have to worry about that if you make a QCD instead. Of course, it's not all lollipops and rainbows. There are a few downsides to QCDs. First, as I said, the money must go to a qualified charity. You can't make the donation directly. It must go through your retirement plan trustee to the charity. Also, you can't claim a QCD as an itemized charitable donation. And there's an annual limit of $100,000. Not a problem for most people. So to sum up, the QCD is a powerful tool that enables you to lower your taxes by reducing your taxable income, and it can satisfy your required minimum distribution, which can keep some of your income from being taxed at a higher rate. If you have a required minimum distribution coming up this year, I hope you'll take advantage of the QCD to increase your giving back to God's kingdom. The QCD is more than just a great way to lower your tax burden. For Christians, it gives us a chance to be more faithful stewards of the resources God entrusts to us. It's an opportunity to be more generous that you shouldn't pass up if you're able to use it. All right, I hope that's helpful to you today. We have a lot more coming up on today's program, including your calls and questions. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As a faithful listener of this program, you know that there's life-changing financial wisdom in God's Word. And FaithFi is here to help you and millions of others learn to be good and faithful stewards. As a nonprofit organization, we rely on help from monthly FaithFi patrons, supporters of this mission, to help us continue and expand our outreach. Has God provided financial answers for you through this ministry? If so, consider becoming a monthly FaithFi patron. Visit FaithFi.com and click Give. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Sound Mind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. Soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. We've got a few lines open today for your questions. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. That's 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's head back to the phone. Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Michael, thanks for calling, sir. How can I help? Hey, thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, just a quick question for y'all. Um, do y'all recommend uh, using a credit card over a debit card when you're traveling overseas? Is that better? 
You know, typically it is. I mean, uh, Visa and MasterCard are most widely accepted throughout the world. Obviously, you can have a Visa or a MasterCard on either a credit card or a debit card. Uh, One of the benefits of the credit card is often you can get a better exchange rate than you'll get from, you know, an ATM machine or a currency stand. Uh, So depending on your card issuer, you might also qualify for certain insurance as well that would offer some protection to you while you're traveling. Um, So, you know, for me, I would, um, you know, always use a credit card personally over a debit card. You also have the issue where if it's lost, now, of course, if you know it, you could quickly shut it down, but um, it's a lot more hassle if, if your account is compromised using a debit card, because now you've got to wait for that money to be replenished as opposed to a credit card that was compromised where you'd simply, uh, you know, just uh, 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 protest the transactions and, um, you know, you wouldn't have to pay them, but you haven't lost any money that's been, you know, depleted from your account. So I think all things being equal, uh, my preference would be a credit card, but you want to know what you're getting into prior to heading overseas. So I think it's always good to call the credit card company, first of all, to let them know that you'll be traveling because that would be an automatic flag when it's charged overseas. If they don't know you're there, they can note your account. But secondly, just to make sure you understand uh, the exchange rates and um, you know whether or not there's any protection or insurance that's going to be offered to you, because if, you, if you've got it, you want to know about it so you can take advantage of it if something happens. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. All right. You're very welcome. Where are you headed, Michael? I am uh, actually headed to uh, South Bend, Indiana. I work in Chicago, and I jump on the Amtrak and have an hour and 45-minute ride, and then my wife picks me up in Niles, Michigan. Okay, cool. Now, where are you going overseas, though? Well, one day, uh, my wife and I, we'd like to travel to the Philippines to see her family or travel to the U.K. to see her brother. Okay. Well, I'll take it. I'd, I'd like to travel to either of those places. So glad to hear you're planning ahead. It sounds like you're a planner, Michael. Listen, call us back again sometime. God bless you, my friend. Uh, let's stay in Chicago. Cesar, how can we help you, sir? Hi. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I just had a question. I recently was laid off um, <clears throat> from my employer of nine years, and um I, I'm in, I'm kind of in like a 45 day period where I'm still getting paid, um, you know, my regular salary and, uh, through my pay periods. Um, but after the 45 days, if I don't decide to either go back to the company or, um, if, you know, work gets back to normality, they can call me back and everything will be the same. Um, they are offering me a severance. I don't know what the amount is. I just know that it's, uh, two, um, I guess two pay periods per every year. So it's roughly about 18, um, pay periods that I'd be receiving. So my question was, um, you know, if I decide, cause honestly, I, I, I kind of want to get out of the industry that I'm in, I'm in the mortgage industry. Um, uh, if I decide to take the severance package, which, you know, it would help me, I do have some reserves, uh, for, you know, at least, three, three months, uh, of, you know, paying my mortgage and staying, you know, staying afloat. Um, however, if I do decide to take that severance, what are those tax implications looking like? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, severance is not taxed any differently than income, Cesar. So basically, whatever severance is paid to you during that calendar year would be added to your taxable income from the year and for the year, and then you'd pay taxes just as you would as if you received it uh, through your normal W two income. So there's really not any special considerations. There's not, not any kind of higher tax bracket. The only issue would be is if you received a lump sum payment of severance uh, and that lump sum payment pushed a portion of it into a higher tax bracket because you were receiving more than you normally would over a, you know, a normal calendar year, then you'd, you could factor that in. But in terms of severance, just think of it as additional income and you'll pay tax accordingly. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is a, it is, um, it is going to be a lump sum, uh, after that time frame. I just, I guess at that point I have to decide, well, yeah, I have to decide whether, you know, uh, well, I'll know if it's going to push me over or not in the tax bracket. Um, yeah. so I appreciate that part. And then I had, I guess one more question. I'm sorry. Didn't no, go ahead. Earlier. Um, in the event, um, let's say I do also have a 401k that I don't, uh, right now I don't plan on, uh, on you know taking withdrawing any money from there um but in the event uh in the necessity that i needed because as i mentioned i don't want to go back into this industry i kind of want to do something uh different or if not something on my own um you know kind of just to build something for my family and for you know uh them moving forward um in the event that i have to go into my 401k i was just you know looking up online is that currently still at a 22% that I'd be taxed at for that whatever amount I go through? Yeah, in terms of a, a withdrawal from your 401k? Yes. Well, again, it's just going to be treated as income. So whatever amount you take out of the 401k, if you're 59 and a half, you're going to have a 10% penalty. And then on top of that, any amount you withdraw would be added to your taxable income for the year. So it would just be subject to normal tax brackets. Um, so for instance, if you make, uh, are you married filing as a single person or jointly? No, I'm married filing jointly. Okay, so the 22% bracket is between 89,500 and 190,750. So if you're anywhere between 89 and 190,000, you know, you're going to be at a 22% marginal tax rate. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And that's uh between uh, my income and my wife's income. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah, the total income if you're married filing jointly from all sources, uh, including you and your spouse and, and any other income that you have coming in. So uh, a lot to think about here, Cesar. Uh, I would make this a matter of prayer as you just ask the Lord to give you some direction moving forward on where he's taking you, but uh, some exciting times ahead for you. And I hope that's uh, been helpful to you. Thanks for your call. 800-525-7000. We've got three lines open. We're going to take a quick break here. Before we do, you know, earlier in the program, we were we're talking about the FaithFi app. And if you're struggling to stay on budget, uh, if you're thinking about how you can control the flow of money in and out of your household, uh, head to our website and download the FaithFi app. Check it out. There's three different styles of um, budgeting built in, so you can pick the one that fits best with your personality. When you head to faithfi.com, just click the app button. Let me also mention uh, his, we're at the midway point uh, through the month. Uh, you know, FaithFi is listener supported. We bring you this program each day as a direct result of your financial 
financial faithfulness and partnership. And if you've benefited from this program, maybe you count yourself a part of the faith and finance family, and uh, you're regularly listening to the broadcast, uh, and you'd like to contribute to the ministry, we'd certainly invite you to do that and be grateful for anything you might do, whether you're a one-time giver or a monthly partner. Uh, You can do that online quickly and easily. Again, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Just click the Give button. We'd certainly be grateful for anything you can do to partner with us. Our amazing team wakes up every day thinking about how we can help you be a good steward of the resources God has entrusted to you. That means this broadcast team that brings you this program and everybody else at Faith Five. Thanks in advance. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and back with much more after this. Stay with us. We're grateful for support from Guidestone, whose diversified suite of investment solutions align with Christian values to create positive change in the world. More information is available at GuidestoneFunds.com. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of Guidestone Funds before investing. They're distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, which is not an advisory affiliate, a registered investment advisor, nor do they provide investment advice. As the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry, Kingdom Advisors serves the public by promoting the integration of a biblical worldview across every aspect of the financial services industry. And we serve a growing network of thousands of Christian financial professionals, equipping and empowering them to carry biblical financial wisdom to their clients, peers, and community. For more information, visit KingdomAdvisors.com. That's KingdomAdvisors.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, let's head to the phones. 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open today. We'd love to hear from you. To Fort Myers we go. Hey, Jim, thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead. Hey, thank you. Hey, um, I had been um, putting in um, Roth IRAs for uh, the last uh, several years. um, And um, anyway, I I guess I found out that I had to reclassify a couple of them because I was making it over the exceeded, exceeded the limit that you can make. Um, and anyway, I didn't know if I should be going with like the regular IRA. Um, but I've already been taxed on the money that I'd be putting in there and then I'll be taxed again on the backside. So I didn't know if, if, is that a, is that a good, is that a good investment there? Or should I be looking to other places for that? Yeah. Well, I like that. I mean, that certainly would be one option because there are clearly uh, income requirements with the the Roth IRA for 2023. It's 153,000 for a single filer. It's 228,000 for married filing jointly. Uh, there is another approach, uh, Jim, that you could ask your CPA about. It's called a backdoor Roth IRA. Are, are you familiar with that term? I am not, no. Okay. Yeah, so essentially what happens is is the strategy for high-income earners who exceed the Roth IRA income limits where basically you can you contribute the money to a traditional IRA and then you convert it to the Roth IRA. And in doing so, you go ahead and pay the tax on it. This is not a tax dodge. This is a very legitimate strategy that's out there. The way that you're able to do it, though, is that the same income limits for the Roth do not apply to the traditional IRA. But when you convert it to a Roth and pay the tax on it at the time of conversion, they don't apply the income limits there either. So you can essentially go into the Roth 
through the back door, and it's a legal way to get around the income limits that usually prevent high-income earners from owning Roth IRAs uh, in the first place. So that would be a way that you could go about getting that money in there, and uh, you can talk to your CPA about it just to make sure that it applies to you and that you understand exactly how it works. So I have to establish the, the regular IRA first, and then I can convert that IRA that's exactly right. So you would make that contribution to the traditional IRA through a tax-deferred contribution, so you'd get the deduction. And then when you convert your traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, you pay the taxes on your contributions uh, and the capital gains, and then you put that money into the Roth and through that conversion process. And then from that point forward, it grows tax-free because you've already paid the tax. And so it can be a great way to get that money in for tax-free growth over time. All right. That sounds great. I will speak <laughs> to uh, my uh, my tax person about that. Okay, that sounds great. Hey, thanks for calling, Jim. God bless you, my friend, to Wesley Chapel, Florida. Hi, Maria. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Yes. Hi. How are you? And God bless great. you all. Thank you. All right. I do have a question. I am retired right now for almost uh, four years. And I have a pension plan that I haven't touched it yet. So I've been thinking about moving the money to a regular IRA. Yeah. So my question was, is there any way I can do that if there is any consequences? Uh, there wouldn't be any consequences to moving that into an IRA because that's not a taxable event. You would be moving from a tax-deferred environment in your pension over to a tax-deferred environment in the IRA. You wouldn't even have to receive the check. Uh, once you open that new IRA and complete the rollover paperwork with your pension provider, uh, they would just send the money directly to the back office of the new custodian, which would be deposited into your account. You would just want to determine who uh, you would want to use as that custodian and how you're going to manage it moving forward. You haven't had to think about that inside the pension, but once that money hits the IRA, somebody's going to have to give oversight to the unlimited investment options that you have inside the individual retirement account. What is the value of the pension, Maria? Do you know roughly? Yeah, it's about 48000 Okay. Yeah, so it's probably a little below having an investment advisor. They would typically need to have maybe a hundred thousand or more. And so our friends at soundmindinvesting.org could help you. Uh, are you comfortable using the internet? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. Again, it's soundmindinvesting.org, and they could help you get an account set up with one of the discount brokerage firms like Fidelity or Schwab and pick some high-quality mutual funds that are called balanced funds that have a mix of stocks and bonds. And you'd basically, depending on your age and your goals and your risk tolerance, how much risk you're willing to take for the expected return you'd like to receive on the investments, that will determine the allocation of the investments and you'll spread that money out through mutual funds over lots of different investments so you're not uh, highly concentrated. You don't have all your eggs in one basket as God's word encourages us to do. And at that point, you'd just let this money grow for the future. Uh, if you don't need to pull any out as income, then you could just 
you know, let it continue to rise. It'd be a great way to uh, outpace inflation. Apart from that, you could choose more conservative investments if you wanted to. You could put it in CDs or banking products that are guaranteed. You're going to get a lower rate of return, but you wouldn't have the potential for principal loss. But regardless of the investments you choose, the actual process of moving from the pension to the IRA is not a taxable event. Okay. Now, my other question is, let's say if I wanted to pull some of the money after I move the money to a regular IRA, um, that that would have a tax consequence, correct? It would. Yeah. So it would be added to your taxable income for the year that you make the withdrawal or the distribution. So whatever amount you take out would just be added to your taxable income when you file your return for that year. Okay. And the last question is, if um, I'm retired and I'm in Social Security. Uh, is that, I mean, Social Security will count it against me as an income. All right, what is your uh, age? 66. Okay. Once you reach full retirement age, Maria, you can earn as much as you want, and that will have no impact on your Social Security. It's only going to reduce your benefit temporarily because you ultimately will get it back, but it would reduce your income temporarily if you earn over the limit, but that's prior to full retirement age. Once you reach full retirement age, which is either 66 or 67 for you, uh, then you can pull as much income as you want, and that won't have any bearing on your Social Security. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Okay. You didn't answer all my questions. Great. You have a great evening. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you, Maria. Thanks for calling today. Well, that's all our time for today. But before we go, I want to say thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. If you're not yet one of our financial partners, but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? That's faith. FI.com. Then click the Give button to sign up, and we'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set a reminder on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for the next edition of Faith and Finance. We'll see you then. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.